0: The landscape of North America's networks is rapidly evolving. New technologies like 5G carry a lot of promise to redefine the way we do business, learn, and connect with one another. But we're not there just yet. From the budget to build, software to secure, and spectrum to support all use cases regardless of locale, a lot needs to happen before everyone can tap into its fullest potential. Tune in to Nokia today, where we discuss how policymakers, enterprises, and industry leaders are working together to bring today's network capabilities to scale for the future. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nokia Today. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Today, we have an excellent episode lined up for you as we're joined by Kim Kerr, the Senior Vice President of Business Sales and Operations at U.S. Cellular. And we're going to be discussing uh, what she is looking forward to in the second half of 2021, the lessons that uh, U.S. Cellular and she has learned from the pandemic and the ways that U.S. Cellular is continuing to build forward. Kim, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well we are thrilled to have you on the program here today Kim and let's start off uh, just with an introduction to you tell the audience a little bit about yourself your career path how you got to where you are now Sure
1: So 25 years in the tel- 25 plus years in the telecom industry and I was 10 years at Nextel 15 years at Sprint uh, and then a little a short stint at Timo, and I'll talk about that. But I don't think anyone starts their career off saying, "Hey, I'm going to be in this industry for you know with one to two companies for that long of a period." But I'll tell you, it's such a dynamic and industry and interesting industry, and it's changed so much from when we had Blackberries and we thought that was a killer app with email to now IoT and the the three G, four G, five G, now even talking about six G. Uh, I had, I'll tell you, so many different roles and that's why I love this industry. So I ran public sector, small, medium business. I ran enterprise. I did stints in, as a regional president. So I learned the consumer side of the business. I even did a rotational assignment in the training org. And so the more I learned, the, you know, the better off as an individual and as a, an employee of the company, because I just understood that whole customer supplier and the different organizations. And then after that period of time, you know, we were Sprint was acquired, you know, last year by Timo. And I found myself in that position saying, okay, what is my next role and what am I going to do? And as uh, it worked out and it was fantastic, I ended up at US Cellular and probably one of the best decisions I ever made in coming into this company.
0: Tell me a little bit more about your thought process in that time as, as you left Sprint and, uh, and ended up joining U.S. Cellular. Uh, what about that reevaluation period uh, kind of led you to U.S. Cellular? And um, uh, tell me a little bit about your thought process there.
1: Yeah, I can tell you this. For anybody that's looking at a career change, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, it's, you know, your, your first evaluation is, wow, you know, I've been doing this for so long. And so it gave me this incredible opportunity to either, you know, do I play it safe do I take some risk? I mean, you're sort of evaluating that. Uh, do I stay in telecom directly? Do I go into a, you know, tertiary or secondary type of, uh, uh, of role? And, and I had three criteria, Tyler, that I vetted and all the opportunities that I was uh, looking at. And the first one was, I have to love what I do. So you wake mm-hmm. up every day. Do you have a passion for what you're doing? What is the role? What are you going to be doing? The second one is, are you aligned with the company's culture and mission Can you get behind that? Do you believe in it? And then the third one, and it's really in this order, is who do I work for and who do I work with? And that's equally as important. And I literally, you know, was going through each company that I was evaluating, and there were probably about three or four that were in my top uh, selection criteria. And as it turned out, I kind of hit the trifecta of goodness coming into U.S. Cellular and what I what I, what I I see here and what I wanted to do. And I can talk more about this role because it's really exciting. And it's almost it's a startup over here uh, at this company. But, you know, that criteria, that evaluation, I guess what I would tell anybody that's listening is, you know, you got to be bold. You got to take risks and, you know, trust your gut. And then it always works out. Change is good. Change is really good.
0: Change is uh, change can be scary. But <laughs> yes, you're right. right. Very good. Very good. So tell us a little bit about U.S. Cellular. Introduce us to, to you as a company. You mentioned, you know, uh, a startup and, and that sort of thing. Give us uh, some background into who the company is and what your goals and missions are. Sure.
1: So, well, U.S. Cellular was started 38 years ago by Leroy Carlson. And, you know, we're a publicly traded company, but we're 82 percent owned by the Carlson family. And it was really started to serve the local communities uh, that people live, work and play and build out this network. And what I was brought in to do is there was a there was a foundation of business, but not really a whole lot of effort. So we're more consumer-driven. And my role to come in was literally to build, grow, and transform into a world-class business sales organization. So if you think about it, and the way I've described this, is we are a nascent BU inside of a 38-year-old company. And when you say build grow and transform normally companies either build and grow or you're building and transforming it's like one or the other we're doing we're doing all of it so that involves you know expanding channels on the business side it involves going into segmentation and specialization it's this incredible opportunity to lean into IOT and what's happening in that industry into emerging technologies like 5g and how do we grow that uh, and it's it's just very exciting and I'll, I'll just add this. Inside of the company, I, people are embracing. It's top down, bottom up. You know, the board is very, you know, supportive of really leaning in because of, an, you know, maximizing this opportunity that we have. Uh, but there's also a lot of change management that goes with that because it's not like everybody gets additional headcount just because we've decided to start supporting and really leaning into growing the business organization. So there's a whole transformation occurring internally as well as we go on this journey.
0: That's really fantastic. And, and you can hear the enthusiasm that you have uh, for what you're doing and the passion that you have for it. And I, I love how well that comes across just in, the, in in this time getting a chance to talk to you. So, you know, you mentioned a couple of, uh, of big buzzword type uh, type themes going on right now, and that's 5G and IoT. And you have a strong entry into both. You know, you've uh, you launched 5G and you already have a strong entry into IoT uh, with business and, and government solutions. So what services are you most excited about uh, bringing to market for 2020? And beyond. Well,
1: part of what our strategy is if, when you go into segmentation and specialization. So, what I mean by that is, you know, what when you're looking at public sector, public sector and the needs there are different from small and medium businesses, which are different from your larger enterprise. And so, what I'm really excited about is how do you leverage those types of solutions and applications? Uh, for each particular segment. And part of that is when you think about public sector and what is happening in that industry and how critical it is for the connectivity and in times of crisis. And so we have a whole suite of solutions under our critical connectivity umbrella, like wireless priority services, push to talk and, you know, like body cams for the, you know, our first responders, which is really important to keep them safe and protected as they try to protect our communities. And then when you think about, Private networks, and you hear a lot about that. That is a uh, an area of opportunity that we are we are absolutely going after. Uh, if you think about our regional footprint, and you have manufacturing, you have utilities, you have mining, you have schools and education. So there's a there's a huge opportunity in private networks, and then of course IoT. You know, connecting and the billions of devices and endpoints that we're going to see out there. That's a tremendous opportunity across all segments, and. It's it's helping companies, whether it's operational efficiencies, it's, you know, new revenue growth opportunities, depending upon what the solution or what the company is trying to achieve. So that's a huge area of opportunity for us as well. So we're very excited about it and we're, we're going after it in a in a big way.
0: That's that's really exciting. How are you approaching uh, all of the things that, that you're trying to do? Are you trying to get kind of on the local side of things and, and really kind of bring things down to, to communities and that sort of thing? Or are you going with more of a nationwide kind of big approach? How, how are you approaching this?
1: Well, for us being, uh, you know, we have 23 states, so we're more of our, you know, we're tier four, uh, you know, the tier four operator in the United States. So it's really that hyper local approach that we're taking. And so our networks are very strong in the communities that we serve. And what I tell you is and I, our, my team laughs at me all the time, but I use this. I don't know if you're familiar with Barbara Mandrell and George Jones, that old song, I was country when country wasn't cool. And I <laughs> always say, no, I was local when local wasn't cool because we've been building out these networks for 38 years and now everybody mm-hmm. else is going, hey, we're going to go into these local communities. Well, we we we're there. We have very strong, solid networks. So we're going to leverage that. And we're going to leverage that To serve the communities and serve those businesses and those efforts around what they're trying to achieve.
0: I love that. Uh, And that was a, that was a perfect way to describe (laughs) it with the the song and everything. That was, that's, that's excellent. I, I love that. So, uh, so Kim, how did you manage the pandemic dynamics with regard to network migrations and services for your customers? And maybe what, what lessons did you learn that might help with future strategies as you move forward?
1: Well, I would start by saying, and I'm sure others have said this, but I'm really proud of our industry. I'm proud of our particular company and how we rose to the occasion because it's an essential service. People needed to be talking and connected during the the pandemic, and especially in whether you're a consumer or a business in times of isolation and what was what was occurring. And they it was a reliable, critical, you know, communications and. What we learned during this is businesses still had to thrive. You know, people still needed their lawns cut, if you will. There were still businesses that had to operate. And so we, you know, leaned in and made sure that we were, uh, you know, serving those businesses, uh, helping them, you know, making sure that they had the devices and the services that they need. And I'm particularly proud of what we did for schools, just, you know, just having to pivot during that pandemic for remote learning. I mean, you couldn't just stop the schooling and then support and get the devices out and the staging and the kidding and making sure that they were working and the training and all of that. You know, that was, um, a, a, you know, the, the industry in general really rose to the occasion because you you want to continue the education. It's so important. And then what I would tell you is, you know, what we've learned now is and how we're pivoting is a lot of that. Now we're talking to either schools or businesses about business continuity in general. It's not like, OK, I'm just going to shut off every device that I deployed during the pandemic because you just never know. So how do you redeploy those those the services that they have for either business continuity and in in, 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 um, in times of another emergency or other areas of the business that maybe they hadn't thought about before that they could utilize those services?
0: Hmm it seems to me that that one of the things that really stood out from the pandemic was the importance of adaptability, flexibility, being able to shift quickly on the fly. I was wondering if those lessons also stood out to you and maybe what you took away from uh from the past 18 months and, and maybe how you want to apply that moving forward.
1: Yeah, you know, the human spirit, I'm always amazed. You know, you put a pandemic on, you know, in the in the, the globally and people just find a way to still leave, live their lives and and do what they have to do and, and think about all the, uh, you know, the, the workers. I mean, the other piece I should probably mention is everybody having to all of, all of a sudden shift from being in the office to working remote. And right. you know, there was a lot of concern around productivity and what's going to happen there. Well, we proved that people can work remote and, and very adaptable. And so, you know, one of the lessons that we're all grappling with as companies go back is you're probably never going to return completely to an office environment. Nor will you be 100% remote, depending upon, you know, what your role is. So there's this hybrid approach that we're all working through and what really, what, what's the balance there? What's the, what, how do you strike that balance? And I think we're all, you know, grappling and, and crafting a strategy. And then we're going to see what works and be very adaptable to make sure that it fits the needs of our employees. And then, of course, how you run the business
0: some excellent points, excellent points. And I guess as I hear you talk about this, it just reminds me of just um, what a leader you are in this industry, and especially just being a woman. What what sorts of leadership philosophies do you have for uh, just how you approach your your role and what you do uh, within this industry? Um, Tell us a little bit about that, just uh, how you approach leadership.
1: Yeah, so there's different criteria, but if I had to summarize it, I'd say one, always knowing that it's a team effort. It's a the collective the collective efforts of the output and where you're going and your strategy and your execution is a team because we're all in a functional matrix environment. And what I mean by that is, yes, I have people that are on my team that directly report to me that I have blind of sight to, but I need network, I need care, I need IT, they're enablers. And so you have to work across all the teams in the company and, and that cross-functional collaboration is so important the other thing I would say is engagement. It sounds, you know, hokey, but it's true. Just the engagement, um, you know, don't expect people to do things that you wouldn't do yourself, understanding every aspect of the business. Uh, I'm naturally curious, so I ask a lot of questions. I always have to explain though, I'm not asking questions to try to find something, you know, us doing things wrong. I'm asking because I'm generally interested in how things work, how we interact, and so that I can make better decisions. And then the last piece of the philosophy is having the right people in the right roles. That's so critical. You could have the best plan, but if you don't have the right people in the right roles with the right attitude, executing on that strategy, you might get a B at best. And then when I say right people, I also mean the diversity component to that, meaning, you know, not only ethnicity, but also, you know, diversity of thoughts and experience and you know, background because it matters and it represents the customers that you're dealing with and it also helps you make better decisions because you just have different thought leadership on your team.
0: Absolutely. That's that's a great point. Just um diversity in terms of background and things along those lines brings diversity of thought and brings new ideas, fresh ideas and fresh approaches. And I, I think that's a great way to put it. Kim, when you think about your role do you play an active role in, in helping train and mentor the next generation of, of leaders in, in the communications industry?
1: It's a good question. Yes, I do. I mentor quite a bit and not some of it's official. Uh, a lot of it is just not really official. It's just the coaching and mentoring and the conversations that you have and how you engage with others. I feel an obligation, especially towards females in this industry, to help mentor them, bring them along Tell them things that maybe somebody didn't tell me that I can help, you know, if I can avoid different pitfalls. You know, we women tend to have this, you know, imposter syndrome. We you know, you still have the the work life balance. And I was told by a coach I had one time that, hey, don't refer it to as balance. It's just finding harmony because they're so Mm -hmm. intertwined nowadays. And anything that I can share, I, 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 I want to see people, what I love about my job and what I do is I love seeing people grow. I love seeing them flourish. I love when people are able to achieve things that even they didn't even think they could do on them themselves, but you got to believe, you got to push. And sometimes that's just what you need. And so when teams achieve that, especially when you're looking at hard objectives or something that seems like it's like, wow, how are we going to do this? And then you achieve it. Uh, It just starts with, you know, taking step forwards, taking action and and telling people you believe in them and leading them, but also letting them go and uh, and not being afraid to fail. And if you fail, you say, okay, look, we failed. We're going to pivot. Let's go try something else. And then you keep going. So it's just it's it's kind of that, you know, you never give up. You just find a way to win. But always ethically.
0: Ooh, that's a that's a, a good thing to put there on the end. I think that's a that's a great point. Kim, I'm going to uh, give you a very like broad prompt here uh, as we begin to wrap up this uh, this interview and this conversation here today. But I, I want to just open the floor to you to anything you want to say to the- that you want to leave our audience with here today, whether it's about U.S. Cellular, yourself, your your leadership strategies, anything along those lines. So let me toss it to you. You have the floor. Uh, anything you want to leave our audience with here today in closing?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, Tyler, thanks for having me. Wow, this went. Pretty darn fast. And I, you know, I just appreciate the opportunity just to talk to you in general. Uh, I'd say anybody looking for a different career change, I'd be a person, love to talk to you if you're ever interested. If anyone's ever interested about that, because it can be scary, but gosh, it's so exciting. And the last thing I'd probably say is if you're not familiar with US cellular, I'd, I'd say encourage the audience to research us. You know, it's a great company to work for uh, with the, just the strongest culture. I, it, it's hard to describe, but it's a culture based on trust uh, and and respect. If you're not a partner of ours and you're interested in maybe being a partner or strategic partner because we're all about growth right now. And then lastly is if you're not familiar with US Cellular and you want to become a customer, we'd love to have you as a customer as well.
0: Excellent stuff. Kim, where can people find out more information about U.S. Cellular or uh, if they want to have a conversation with you or members of your team? What's the best place for them to go? Where, th- where should they uh, check that out?
1: Sure. Go to com and visit the website. And certainly anybody interested in talking to me directly, you can Kimberly.Kerr at uscellular.com.
0: Excellent stuff. Reach out to Kimberly directly at uh, Kimberly.cur. Uh, they're on her email address and visit uscellular.com for more information on US Cellular and who they are and what they have going on right now. Kim Kerr, thank you again so much for joining us here on Nokia today. It's been a pleasure getting a chance to chat with you.
1: Thank you, Tyler. My pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Nokia Today. We appreciate it very much. Of course, stay tuned for upcoming episodes. The best way to stay in touch is to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or by going to Nokia's website and staying up to date there as well. You can uh, stay up to date with every episode, go back and listen to previous episodes. They're all right there for you to consume and enjoy. And like I said, stay tuned. We'll be back soon, very soon with new episodes of the program. But for this one, for my guest today, Kim Kerr, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us everyone